What's up, freaks? Welcome back to the Bad Christian Podcast. And oh my God, did y'all hear the new Emory song on Spotify? Yeah, it's called The Noose, and it's a single. It's from our new record, which will be out on May 7th of 2020. But that's how on point we are. That's how ahead we are. And not only do we have one new song on Spotify for public release called The Noose that's about you know being in the Christian music industry loosely, But also, we have three more songs that complete an EP called Dead End that everybody who is in Emeryland has now. And it's really cool because you can upload it to Spotify or your Apple Music so that you can just listen to it all year long. We'll have a new EP that comes out for Emeryland members in a few months, another one in a few months. And then, like I said, in a year, the general public will get an Emery album. But it's well underway. And it's really good. So just go to Spotify and check out what we're up to if you haven't heard it yet. The song is called The Noose. There you go. Anyway, join Emeryland. Go to emerymusic.com. Come to our private Discord server. Hang out with us. We're there in real time, and it's a lot of fun. Got about a 1,000 people in there now, so I'm very, very happy. So come be one of the 1,000 best Emory fans, and you can watch us make our new record. Go to emerymusic.com. New music. Great times. Today's episode is sponsored by Dave.com. Dave.com is putting an end to overdraft fees for good. So go to Dave.com slash bad Christian and don't pay another overdraft fee again. Today's show is also sponsored by Hymns. Go to fourhymns.com slash bcpod and get started for just ten dollars. Here we go. Oh hell yeah, God showed up. Give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever f- talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extra virgin. No, girl, it's my pleasure. I, I showed my dad my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. Three, two, one. Kick it. Bad Christian, bad Christian, bad Christian podcast. Okay, everybody, uh, this is it. You're living your dream. Today is a new day. This is what you've always dreamed of doing, working for yourself, talking, hanging out. So I don't but the see real question is, I don't want to see any grumpiness, woke, Matt. no arguing, no talking over each other. Matt, he's right. None of that. Matt, no, All Matt, smiles. you shut up this time, Matt. Joey's Fuck. right. Are you are Off you the rails woke? already. I just want to know how woke Shit. you are. I don't care about how all How woke stuff. are you, and I want to know right now. I'm extremely broke. We, no, we didn't talk about broke. We what are you said about? woke. Oh, woke. Yeah, I got up about three hours ago. Um, so I'm, I had two co- <laughs> cups of coffee. You are so what? behind, my friend. You <laughs> what are you don't talking even, about? You, you don't even care. <laughs> you don't even care what's going on in the world, do you? Do you actually care what's going on in the world, Matt? Oh, <laughs> you, big old brain of yours, not even using it for others. Okay. It's a waste. Who, that is, is any of your teachers nonsense. or people ever told you you're a waste? Um, Toby, you sound I've angry. been told that a lot. <laughs> I have been told that a lot. Maybe, I mean, maybe you're, the way you're saying it, maybe I should have always taken it as a compliment, but I always took it pretty derogatory to be to be have to be perpetually told you have potential, which is oh, really God, means yeah, you do you ain't that. doing shit. Is what hey, here, it, is what is the way it really what they really mean. You're not doing right. So here's right. Here's what's funny though about words like woke is like. I know you guys, and I know a lot of other people that try to avoid those types of words because they just exploded out of nowhere, and then everybody uses them. But it really is a reminder of how the human language works. 
I can easily don't I, remind me. But listen, I can easily come to Matt, Toby, and Reva and and say, "Yeah, there's this guy that I know," and I could either give you like a thirty second description, maybe, or I could say, "You know how people say woke? Well, he's not at all." And then you have context, yeah, right? Okay, immediately. Let's now, I don't like that, using then. these words, but they are helpful. But, but but the problem I don't like about that is you only have context for this exact moment. So it yeah. screws yes. everybody else in the future. I'm on y'all's yes. side. There's no or arguing the past, there. Right. So right. the pace of language change is sped up, and I have a lot of issues with language. Mainly that I like to use precise language is, and it's very frustrating to know correct words that mean exactly what you mean, and then those, the connotations of those words start to get loaded and bullshit like that, it drives me crazy. And then the words that you have that are the right words that you mean are words you're not supposed to say or have this other loaded <laughs> meaning. And with technology and everything else, the pace of word bastardization or it's not – I mean it's good that language changes and evolves. I'm, I'm for it. I'm not a rule follower. It's not about – it needs to stay the same. But it changes so quickly and the way people use words socially – can harm their meaning and dilute their meaning so fast now that it is very that is a painful thing I would say to me. I mean, for instance, you, you could it really messes with you in time, like when you dig up old tweets, for instance. What social justice warrior meant five years ago, it could have been used and have no connotation to it. Yeah, it could have been a positive, or maybe it is, or maybe some people. I don't. It's so fractured now; it moves so fast. Woke. I mean, woke is cr- a crazy term because. I mean, it's 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 such a religious term. It's getting well, if saved. You say I you're mean, it's woke, like it's it's is... just it turns into some, getting saved. It got screwed up. It took a long. It took thousand years for that term to get probably screwed up. But it got screwed up. Woke. How... Screwed, it's like uh, enlightened. When somebody talks about being enlightened, I mean, as soon as that stuff exists, people take it and use it to to mean things it doesn't mean, and then it doesn't mean anything anymore. But of course, I... it's a good idea to talk about enlightenment. But who's supposed to go talk? Well, he's not enlightened. Or he's not woke, or he's he's not saved. This is crazy. All right. Like, is it is it socially acceptable for someone to actually say, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm a woke person"? Do people? No, that's a, no. It's a weird side game. That's, you don't yeah, you can't use how, the terms you, directly. You can't say that without someone being like, "Whoa, ego!" Just like you said, if someone said, "Yeah, I'm a very enlightened person." Nobody would say that because they know they wouldn't get away with that. Right. It's, oh, and it's also you just you, you people weaponize the words against their enemy and I think that's what causes the real yeah. speed of it. Like you start lobbing something like a take a word and then turn it into an insult. Well, you fucked up the word. I mean, you know, I don't I think it's okay to insult people, however. So that's I don't know. It's okay to say some insults, but to it's almost more that the taking offense at the insult gives it more credibility. Just yeah. let somebody use your your word back at you, and then just embrace it and move on. You know, just it's that. But I, you know, I blame everybody on both sides for everything for trying to hurt other people as their primary concern is identifying who's bad and, and signal that you're better. And it's driving our language into some bad places, in my opinion. Well, oh, the signaling is unbelievable. Like even the term woke, this is how I know when stuff is stupid and doesn't matter is th- these terms, uh, stuff like this immediately becomes a meme or a joke and people use, you know what I mean? Like it's not even real. Like the more, uh, the, the most way I hear the word woke is a joke now because everybody knows it is deep down inside and anybody using it for real isn't real they're using it some power play or something happened fast though or yeah that's what i'm saying and that's different than 18 months ago and 36 months ago like very different 
Yes, I mean, yes. But that's what I'm saying. So th- half the time it doesn't even mean anything. So why would I want to keep up with something that doesn't mean anything anyway? And like we were talking about on the Daily Dose yesterday, there's just a real lack of nuance. And I'm a culprit of this for sure. Uh, but there's a real lack of nuance in the world right now where you where you can't even hardly have an idea and just think about it for a minute. It might even be a really bad idea or a silly idea or a crazy idea or a really smart idea, but nobody wants to even take a moment to think of anything. And so we use these broad terms like, oh, I'm I'm awake, I'm woke, I'm enlightened or something like that, which doesn't actually mean anything. It just means, oh, I know something that you don't maybe, sir, or or whatever, you know? Or, yeah. or something like that. It just doesn't, I don't know if it actually means anything, does it? It's just a, like you said, isn't it just a weapon? It's not. Does, the, does woke actually mean anything to uh, across it, the board? It does. No, it has. It has a. It has a lot of meaning. It has a ton of meaning, and you can't. Which means ignore it ha- that's what, no. You can't just say oh, I I'm disagree. Not I think it has it, no meaning. Real. If it has all those meanings, what does it actually mean then? Well, <laughs> it's, it's just it, completely it's, arbitrary word. Okay, but the, the thing about meme culture is, and I, this is a part I do like about it, is it's relatively subversive and it's uncontrolled and it's and it's chaotic. So, if there's something that has a concept like woke has legs, it has legs for a reason. It's we're talking about it for a reason. It's not nothing. It is something, but it's so over. It's just so energized and hyped that it's so out of. It think the, the word meanings change fast and they're just kind of out of control. It is cool that words change and use their meaning, and that somebody makes a slip up and then it's memed immediately and everybody gets it. Like that's awesome. Like I love the high speed culture and how nobody gets away with anything and the memes rise to the top. I love it. I mean, it is. It's a. I think the times right now we're living in is very fun. I mean, it's also scary and dangerous and all that, but it's very fun because stuff happens fast and you can learn a lot fast. And I disagree with you there, Toby. You can't ignore stuff because ah, it doesn't matter anyway. That's just that's you being old. That e- several of those put to, strung together equal you being out of touch and old. It's no, not an option. I, I totally disagree with you because what you're saying <laughs> won't matter a year from now. It doesn't. Like that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, but you're going to stack I, up no, 55 things now in the category of things no, that don't that, matter, which that, will equal you being out of touch. You can miss any given term. Well, or you're missing my point you like, here. You're missing but. my point here. You're looking at maybe you are looking at a nuanced perspective here. I'm looking at the overall uh, scheme of things here, and it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it actually adds any beneficial thing to anybody's life to consider using the word woke and it actually being beneficial to you. Right, but, so but what, you don't. Hold on, what is hold the choice on, of saying on, you don't know? Hold on. Just let me finish for five seconds. I'm just saying you're just you're saying, oh, it's really neat that words mean something and all this stuff. But also in the exact same breath, you're saying the words doesn't don't mean anything because it means everything. So th- there's no point in me trying to figure out all the reasons or, or definitions of the word woke. I'm not going to do it. That's that's not me being old and stupid. That's actually me saying, wait a minute. It's not worth it. it all it would all it would cause is uh, a waste of my life. Yeah, but true. you're not doing what you're saying. You are, you very much know what it means. You can't help but know because, because you're I'm inundated with it on social That's media, right. which I also think so. Is there's no ignoring <laughs> I, it. I also am, am leaning more and more in favor of getting rid of all social media. I don't Might know. I don't, I don't think it's a it, good for any human at all to be able to go on Facebook <laughs> and write their thoughts. Like I, I just I, well, I'm not been, disagreeing well, with on, you. Well, on I've that. just been I've been I we've love been this with Emmer. With Emeryland, uh, the, what we just started, you can go. Where can they go, Reva? Where can they go to find out about Emeryland? Because I, I, I got some cool on the Oh, well, that was easy. Yep. <laughs> Why don't we get Emeryland.com and make that forward? Well, Emeryland.com is already taken, but oh. what the, what motherfuckers have that. I'll pay a million dollars. Emeryland.com forwards you directly to woke.com, I think. So anyway. <laughs>
Okay, so if you guys are like me, and I know that you are because I'm quite normal, uh, then you're not always paying attention to your bank account balance. You know, sometimes you can get into trouble like that. Like the other day, uh, I was going on a grocery run, and my wife told me, she had told me earlier in the week that we only had $80 in our checking account, which is shameful in itself, and to be real careful that following week while we were buying groceries till the next pay period. Now, I wasn't very careful. And as it turned out, after going to the grocery store, we were left with but $2.35 in our bank account, which means I was one tall boy beer away from, you know, having it cost $40. It had been a $40 uh, tall boy. I mean, what are they, 22 ounces? That had been $2 an ounce for that beer if I'd have incurred an overdraft fee just for not paying attention to my bank account. But it wouldn't happen to me because I have Dave.com. You see, that's the good news. Dave is the number one budgeting app in America because it saves you from overdraft fees and it tells you about your upcoming bills and it can advance you $75 from your next paycheck with no credit check and no interest. Now, you can get the Dave app for just $1 per month. That's $12 a year, which is way less than an overdraft fee, even happening one time in the year. And you'll never have to pay one again. So Dave will help you budget for upcoming expenses. It'll text you if you're spending too much and it'll... And if you need cash fast, it'll advance you 75 bucks in just 90 seconds. Mark Cuban is an investor in Dave because he got crushed by over, overdraft fees in his 20s, and he wants you to never pay an overdraft fee again. I think that's quite reasonable as things are quite a ripoff. It's a joke, really. Three million people already use Dave to save up to $1,000 a year in overdraft fees. That's that's why it's the number one budgeting app in the app store. So go to dave.com slash badchristian. It really helps if you show them and let them know that you heard about it here. And then download Dave and never pay another overdraft fee again. It's immediate savings. Go now to dave.com slash badchristian. Spelled just like it sounds. D-A-V-E dot com slash badchristian. But I'm saying... All of all of these things that that we're talking about here, like there there isn't a good, there is no reason. Like since the reason I bring up Emeryland is because we've been using Discord and Matt, uh, you got me on Discord and I am really appreciative of it because it's it's short, it's to the point, it's in the moment, right? The, yeah, when I go back yeah. to Facebook now, all I see is uh, it looks like documentaries about your stance on life, and nobody yeah. needs it. That that can yeah. almost only happen, and I do this too. I'm talking to Toby Morell here. It can almost only happen beneficially in real life. It face to face. Maybe, 100%. maybe, maybe some people can even glean a little bit from this long format that we're doing here on a podcast. I can do that a little bit and understand, but even that I can't totally un- understand. By face to face, though, you mean direct interaction in Discord is kind of really getting close to that because it's real. Uh, it's also, present. The, yeah, it's real know. and it's present, and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily any platform to say, "Hey, listen, this is where I stand on these issues." And right. If you can't agree with me, then I then we have a real problem because that's not really true. Like that we, That's we right. I, I really feel like out of the 4,000 people I'm friends with on Facebook that are, you know, that, that like my page or whatever, I think probably 90% of us agree on most stuff. And then there's 10% of things that we disagree on that are pretty serious, but there's no way to, to, uh, approach those things or broach those things at all through Facebook. It's yeah, almost the way just I've been worthless. thinking about Facebook, I think that's a great point because the way I've been thinking about Facebook, especially going back to it, um, is it seems so sick, like the culture of it, because it's 
all announcements. It's people walking into a public space and right. saying, guess what, everybody? Here's what I think about this. Right. And then put that on repeat <laughs> so it's always there. And then, you know, and then that's not really – it's it's really weird. And it's algorithmic. Like it's decided what you should right. see. Now, on Discord or a chat room or some other private thing, whatever happens, happens. And you're only talking to the people you're talking to, and you're only talking to the people that are there. And that changes almost everything from this bulletin board. Like, we walk out in public and spray paint our opinions on the sides of buildings and say, what do you think? What do y'all think about it? In the general public where you don't even know the people you're talking to. How is that a good social interaction? Like, right. if that happened in real life, you'd think it was just so dumb. Well, and then other people, every, it's like a bathroom wall. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but but people's, and, and so I, I'm agreeing with you by showing the, the side that everybody's walking on, though, is everybody, in, include, you know, including bad Christian to some degree, there is a desire to... Um, to broaden your influence, not influence, but obviously we'd love seeing a podcast that gets 60,000 hits. That's like awesome, you know, really cool. And there are so many people now, it's almost like if you don't have any name for yourself at all, you're nothing. And I, I, it disgusts me that that is the sort of vibe that's out there now, but it's even, I mean, we have to have talks with our, our kids about likes, for instance, because it is nothing now for a middle school kid to ask for likes. I'm trying to get 20 likes on this yeah. and it's socially acceptable. Nobody even teases them for it. All the popular kids do it. I mean, right. it's really wow. crazy, but that's what people are trying to do. I actually saw someone make uh, a statement about themselves, uh, a, a, a dude on social media. And I was like, gosh, that's kind of crazy that he would just put that out on social media. And so I just, I just, that curiosity got the best of me. So I went to the Twitter feed and that post acquired so much attention and so much feedback and so many people. And a few days later, I am an author and a blogger. And here is my, like, it was all calculated. And I was like, of course, how manipulative and 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 everybody just is okay with that. I mean, it's well, just any, unreal. any construct that exists is going to be gamed immediately. Basically, that that's that should be known to be true. So, anytime a big construct takes off, or a new concept is there, or everybody socially agrees on a new thing, it will at that moment begin to be gamed as much as possible. You won't not see that if it can exist, it will in that space as far as people being calculated and manipulative or whatever. But being in presence of other people, even digitally, even video chat, even uh, chat room, text only in real time seems and not being determined by who sees what is still got a really organic feeling to it. I was having a discussion, the discussion we were talking about last week about sexual and sexual power and stuff like that in a corner of the uh, Bad Christian Discord, which is the same people as the Bad Christian Facebook group. And then some of that spilled over into the same discussion of the Facebook group. And then it was like immediately made me fresh. I was having a great time talking in the Discord. And then I went over the same topic with the same group of people, slightly different people, but people normal. And... um it was like way the tone of it is just so gross. It's like oh, I've got to go back and clarify endlessly now, and and then wait, and then get an alert later that's going to tell me the other person still didn't understand what I was saying, and now I'm even more angry about it. On Discord, you're just talking to the people, so it's there, it's real, and you just get the feedback you need in real time if you're stupid or it doesn't make sense, and it's it really is something about being present, and so uh, it's nice to have this breakthrough that the 
it's nice that there's these pockets of internet stuff that are really working well, which I think podcasts, when they're real, still do. I think some of the new video streaming stuff and even the chatty Discord stuff, as much as I hate text-based stuff, is it's got a real feeling to it. So I'm I'm kind of pumped if we could turn a corner here, and maybe everybody's going to realize this Facebook stuff is pretty dangerous. And especially, yeah. of course, for the kids. Like you said, I didn't know they'd do all that crap, but that, that sounds like a disaster. It feels pretty dangerous to me, and I have bought into it hook, line, and sinker. The the worst thing that I ever see about myself is my memories when it's some dramatic post that I made like three <laughs> or four years ago. It's yeah. like me just, like you said, I'm just going to the Announcing to the public. Going, right. you know, and some of it was about God or about politics or whatever. I'm like, what a fool. What was I thinking? Like, I just bought right in because it felt, like not that and now i see it is that and and you're right like i mean the more and more i've heard about social media like i i love social media i i, I wish i didn't i i use it constantly i think it works and i'm maybe even exclusively facebook it, it's just a phenomenal technology and toby morell has no possible brain enough to handle it, it i just can't it's so i mean it's the most seductive sweet amazing thing where i get to be uh, caring in this moment, full of hate the next moment, uh, loving this Just moment, righteous super anger. Fun. I mean, it, <laughs> is, it is the most self-serving technology I've ever witnessed in my life. There has been nothing that has fed me more, narcissistic. Me more. Toby. Oh, in, yeah. Increase, I mean, right? yeah. and I just, I, I, I have not resisted at all. I mean, I just haven't resisted at all. And now I'm starting to go, ugh, because you're right, Joe. It's really crazy. I, uh, Ruby like drew a picture. This is probably a year ago. Ruby and Ike. They drew pictures and they knew in seriously in like kindergarten and first, second grade. Uh, oh, how many likes did I get? Oh my gosh. I, 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 the next morning they'd ask me how many likes. Like mm-hmm. it did, like it wasn't even it because that is what it is. The only reason yeah. you post is to get reaction from people and, and it, hopefully they like it. If they don't, then you can, you know, the person go disagrees. You can go, no, you don't understand. Blah, 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 and then it's done. And you walk away, but you still have your anger and your whatever it is. It's just, it, it is way more dangerous than I ever would have believed. And I still don't know how it's going to stop. I don't, I mean, in y'all's opinion, either. do you think there's a, uh, do you think there is a way Facebook is done? Like mm, it'll change 10 years. The, not, well, yeah, maybe it might be something different. It may, it'll morph and continue. It'll be something different than it is. I mean, it's different now than it was five years ago. That's for sure. I mean, they make the updates constantly and it's just a living thing basically. So, it, you know, it could fail. It could get broken up legally. Uh, it could just do right. I mean, that's possible that, I mean, and by do right, we're going to continue to make technological pitfalls that hurt us similar to when we started wiring up the electrical grid and people got electrocuted all day every day like that happened and we figured it out you know so maybe there's some figuring out to do here uh where we but right now the problem is it is optimized for a base level thing of outrage and you know it's, it's optimized extremely well by artificial intelligence for an outcome that we didn't understand what it would do to us when the outcome was achieved. But all it has been done is a very simple function of optimize for outrage and clicks and attention holding. These technologies could be built to optimize for better things, but the easier thing to optimize is outrage. It's just easier to get that reaction happens. It happens at a base level. It can be triggered very simply and manufactured and it's reliable. And these, you know, we're not, it's not possible right now with the technology to optimize Facebook for your total well being. Yeah. But maybe one day it will be. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's an unstoppable force because I mean, how, 
at least a decade of worth of people have been raised on this. Like, I mean, there's there's got to be a demographic that's currently 15 to 25 years old that for the most part, they're locked on their phone and they are in the digital age of, of borderline uh, addiction. And I, I don't see those people deciding, hmm, I'm on my social media too much because that's all they've ever known. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some pockets, but I, I just... Now, I, I, think, I agree with I you, Matt, that, you- that the technology could correct itself, but people are... People aren't going to make those self-adjustments as a whole. I don't think. Uh, I don't know. I think you said two or three things there that that don't that aren't don't necessarily have to go together in your statement. Like I don't I don't feel it's reasonable to use the word addiction. Just like X amount of hours on digital devices equals addiction, and that's inherently negative. I don't share that view. Um, I also think there is a good uh, people do have a decent ability with proper education to make educated decisions, such as with diet. I mean they. Of course, everybody's going to eat candy if everybody tells them nobody tells them it's bad for them. Of course, everybody's going to smoke if it's cool and it doesn't harm your health, according to the doctors and commercials. But eventually, people can learn. Oh, that's a horrific. So thing I agree with you. Do. The statement I'm making make is choices, on, but it's it's on lines of obesity. So I agree. Mm-hmm. People can yeah, I mean, change still, the course of yeah, obesity, yeah. but we're still in a shitty situation right now because it's so far gone. There's no changing yep. anything anytime soon we're going to have a huge mass group of yeah. adults we'll always be chasing of, it yeah yeah we'll always be chasing that and they'll always be bad actors and optimized for bad things on technologies the the big issue might be that it's kind of weird when toby said that like he hasn't had no power to resist facebook it makes me think and i'm not trying to prove a previous point or whatever but for instance when i say uh, the lottery would be bad for you. You can't even handle Facebook. You think you're handling a fucking $500 million? Get out of here. Anyway. Oh, uh, yeah, I can. Y- you know what I'm saying? Like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. The point is, there are f- humans are now entering a time when we are no match for some of the forces that we can create and then turn back on ourselves. That is true. There is amount of technology that no one can resist, right? I mean, yeah. if it was better than Facebook. Like, Facebook irritates you and you still can't quit. What if you fucking loved every second of it and it was oh, really boy. doing something for you? Oh, man. You would, you would never be able to quit and it could control your life. We've seen that. It happened. It's already happened. It's changed our country and the culture on accident. Right. That already happened. And we hadn't seen anything yet. So there simply will be technologies in the future that will be irresistible. Period. You think porn's hard to not look at? Wait until, I don't know, something else in the future. It will literally be irresistible as, right. you know, like a trap for an animal that we set for a rat. Like, well, it's going to go eat the peanut butter and die. There's, trust me, this, that's reliably what's going to happen. There'll be a technology in the future where you are the rat and there's a trap. I mean, then you just, there will be nothing yep. you can do about it. It'll be above your head. So we're going to have to figure something out or regulate something or I yeah. don't know. I mean, it seems dangerous. For Reva, it's the dark web. Every time I've gone over her house, like, what in the hell is this? Is this even legal? And then she like closes her laptop real quick and doesn't talk <laughs> about it. It makes me feel uncomfortable, but she can't resist it. She has a separate laptop for that. Yeah, that's so weird too. She, I mean, she has her, you know, her own place and everything. No, but she has a separate laptop. It's like her her burner laptop. <laughs> right, it's a burner. <laughs> it's a deep dark web stuff. Reva, what do you look at on the dark web? Just uh, or is it is it legal or illegal to say? You think I have a burner computer? But I'm going to tell you on a podcast. Mm. Okay. Oh man, <laughs> shut down. Shut down 
All right, so okay. who's this who's this JT guy? All right, so JT from Hawthorne Heights is going to be on here in just a second. He's joining right now. So before we talk to him, let me take a second and tell you about one of our sponsors, and then we'll talk to JT from Hawthorne Heights. All right. You know what's hard to say? Premature ejaculation. I keep saying premature. <laughs> premature ejaculation, even the word is a problem. It just I, I want to have more fun. I know you do too. Uh, and you don't want to get to the bedroom and the fun end too soon. That's where Hems comes in. They are all about keeping the fun going. And premature ejaculation is not unusual. Seriously, 39% of men experience it. And if the fun is ending a little too soon for you, why keep going through that? Why get it stuck in your head about what's going to happen in the bedroom? Why not maintain that erection for a little bit longer? Erections are fun. Trust me. I've, I, I know a little bit about them. Uh, so are you worried about your timing? It's time to stop worrying and start lasting longer. Seriously, you can visit 4 to get convenient, affordable treatment for your early arrivals. Uh, they can connect you with a doctor online who can evaluate and help identify the right treatment for you. And best yet, it can be delivered right to your door in a discreet package. Uh, this means no more awkward in-person doctor appointments. Seriously. So if you want to slow down, Slow down your roll a little bit and let the good times last. Go to 4 Right now, our listeners get a special offer. You can get started for just $10. So go to 4 slash B-C-P-O-D, that's B-C-P-O-D, to get started. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash B-C-P-O-D. See the website for full details and safety information. JT, what's up, buddy? What's up, dog? Nothing. Literally, <laughs> literally nothing. You can hear us and see us pretty good. Yeah, I can hear you. All right. See you. Well, let's jump right. Let's jump right on in then. Cool. I had to re-download the Skype app because I haven't used it since like 2006. How have you been communicating then with other human beings in well, voice chat? Just a little thing face called chat. a cellular telephone, my friend. What do you use the FaceTimes? I don't FaceTime. I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> I, I totally believe that. That is a truth. That is a real truth. Are you one of the people that still makes a lot of phone calls like me? No, I make zero no? phone calls. It's just me, then. It is just you. <sighs> Every Turns time. out every people don't like talking as much as me. The mm-hmm. only people that I return phone calls from are the uh, voicemails that I get that say that if I pay $2,000 today, I will not go to jail. Yeah, you have to keep <laughs> up with that. Those are those. You, yeah, you I have to. I get two yeah. or three of those a week. I like yeah, the IRS ones too. The IRS ones are really cool. Yeah, I've had to. Yeah, I've had to pay the IRS like fifty grand over the phone this year. It's been annoying. I know. I just keep paying to get them off my back. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> that's what that's what every person over eighty says. <laughs> Literally, crazy. legitimately. But they my, they did call me, so yeah. They got my they, uh, they got my uh, my my mother in law, uh, but it was through the computer, so it said, uh, "Call right now, your computer's infected." And it looked it looked like it was Apple, you know. Yeah. And she called them, and the guy said, and she gave him access to her computer and everything, and we're like, "No, don't ever," do, you know. And she said, "He sounded so nice, and it seemed real." And then, uh, sure enough, he fixed it. The thing was gone. Then or I was like, "No, no, no, no." But they, I mean, that stuff's everywhere. Hey, can okay, we ask so, Jay? Can we ask JT how woke he is? Nope, is we cannot. Right. He would. He will not react well to that question. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but speaking that of your so mother-in-law, <laughs> no. speaking of your mother-in-law and old people, uh, you know, speaking of just washed up, has yeah. been, you know, 
living hair. way past you know way past yeah. their prime old balls uh, on you the know, way out the door you guys are yeah assholes. just hanging on to to life for no real good reason yeah just Wash, lingering around here washed up <laughs> from some bygone era what's going yeah. on with hawthorne heights JT? yeah how's it going <laughs> Uh, we're just we're just clinging to every fabric of every thread from 2004 that we can. No more, no less than that. If I would have so, only known how important 2004 was to my life, it's like the pivot point of my entire life. Um, we joke about this all the time, but you know, like all the just the just the dumb shit that we did. You know, like just everything always happens so fast, and like. We were considering for this tour that we're doing with you guys, we were considering making a shirt that says my favorite band got a hundred dollars a night, but still bought diesel jeans in 2005. <laughs> yeah. You remember all those bands? Oh yeah. Buying a $160 pair of jeans. They were getting a hundred dollars a night to split among five people. Oh, I know. Gosh. Why are we so stupid? I don't know. I don't know. Now, Toby never spent a bunch of money on jeans, but we did wear girls' jeans, and we were pretty frugal. We happened. We just were pretty frugal about it. Toby'd find a good deal on a size seven at Express or well, something si- like that. I, I gotta be honest. It was size sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> I would have killed to have been a seven. I would have loved to have been in a seven. I tried. That's what know. killed me about girls' jeans was. They were too short. You had to find them in. I had to find right. them in long because they don't have length and width. They just have like a, the size, and then maybe you could find extra long. Otherwise, they were pretty high water for me. <laughs> oh, me too. I couldn't ever. But pull I used it off. to could squeeze into a size six. I'll have to say. I, I don't know if they've changed the size. You kind of have a girl right. figure. That that kind of came and went. That that that's not a thing anymore, is it? The the, the guys wear girl jeans. Is well, that no, even skinny a thing? jeans are now here. Yeah, but they they started making them for guys. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're they right. didn't exist. I mean, you couldn't wear, you couldn't find anything but a bag on each leg central. Yeah. At, you know, if you're yeah. a size thirty three <laughs> right. waist, yeah, you couldn't find anything. They had a cargo the, pocket on everything. Yeah. <laughs> they assume that every single human being wore cowboy boots. Yeah. That's the only fit you could right. find. You know what's crazy is if if my wife and another close friend of mine wouldn't have encouraged me otherwise, I would definitely stick to my 90s type attire, and I'm so glad I was saved from that because now when I see my peers that are hanging on to that 90s vibe, I'm like, it just doesn't look good. I mean, there's just no way of getting around it. The baggy jeans... They just don't look as but good. But it is comfortable. That that was the, one of the big things for us, even when we started. Like we just were wearing baggy jeans and giant t shirts, and <laughs> they just did, we just didn't care. Like if you see any old videos of Emory first starting, I mean, we didn't, we were not cool. We, we because we were under the assumption that our music was the thing. Yeah. Not, it didn't occur not to me that what I looked like mattered in any way. Like right. it did not occur to me that that could matter. And. By the way, I'm not just talking about for a music career. I just generally miss the premise. There's probably a 60% chance that everybody in Rock Hill, South Carolina, or wherever the hell you guys are from, still look like that. They do. Of course they do. (laughs) So, So you guys are straight. It's fine. We, we we lucked out. Well, because we started the band, we li- understand hair more, maybe 5% more about fashion. But I think the thing, too, was we grew up watching MTV, and all those people on MTV didn't, they looked, I mean, like the grunge scene, they looked awful. 
Yeah, so I thought cool. you, I thought you were supposed to just look whatever. Yeah, like, I it, loved but, it. But they did. But now I realize they were doing it super well. Like, they were probably yeah, they were looking yeah. grunge. But it probably cost yeah. thousands of dollars to pull off the outfits, and I didn't understand. I thought they went to the thrift store and bought the cheapest, ugliest thing they could, and that was cool. And now I know. Wait a minute. No, no, no. They were. I mean, they were spending tons of money. It was high fashion, and I just didn't realize it. I had no clue at all. I, I do wonder what is there a chance like five years from now that the you know. Uh, South Carolina cargo short shorts and white no. tennis shoes that was going to be popular. You wait. It's, we're not, come to be honest with you, it's not that far off. Yeah, I'm I know. Sure I, you've, I'm sure you've seen like, you know, high waisted jeans. Yep. On girls and stuff oh, like. I like that. You I like never that. would have thought that was coming back though. No, no but you I thought like there was zero chance. Well, they're doing it right now. Like it used to be mom jeans, how dumb, but it just was done wrong. But now I see that and it gives me like that feeling of like being a kid and see, you know, it's like, it's like, whoa, those are like mom jeans and now it's hot in some other way. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what Like you're it's like those are the same jeans I used to thought were so dorky and terrible looking on women and now it looks so good. But is yeah, that it, just, did I change or is it the culture? How does that work? I think we're all we've always been lame. It's just <laughs> caught back up to us. Yeah, and when you look back in ten years or fifteen years, you're gonna go, "That was so stupid." Like yeah. that—that's the thing about fashion that blows my mind away. It's amazing. Like I used to—I promise you, when I was in middle school, all the ladies had the—you know—the flower thing. Well, I don't even know what they call that on their forehead. They would make their hair like a—it almost looked like a flower poof yeah, on I the know front. Exactly what you, you know what I'm talking about? And and I just remember thinking these women or these well these eighth grade late girls were so beautiful and it was so amazing and now when you look back at those pictures you're like what were they doing with their hair yeah, what and, the, and, I, and i looked at my hair and I, like old pictures of me and the way my hair looked i was like what a fool how who, <laughs> how who would ever even talk to that person well then what and, do you make of the yeah that's what i'm saying you get in trouble when you start paying attention to trends and in genres right. like music and screamo they get real narrow now i may be embarrassed at what i look like in 1989 or whatever thing but nothing's really ever going to be more embarrassing than a way the way i looked in 2006 right i mean that's <laughs> right. when i was trying to look good like when it mattered how I looked and I put a lot of time and effort and money into it, that yeah. will officially be the most embarrassed I will ever be about the way I looked. <laughs> how, how you figure that? <laughs> There's still a, a, a video you and Josh did, man. I know, I know you know what that's you're it. talking about where yeah, that's it. You're, you're by the fireplace and you're promoting yeah. an Emory record. And right. Matt's hair is dyed bleach blonde. He's got a giant rhinestone Dyer belt that's like hanging. Hanging off of him. Two belts. Two belts. Black yeah. shirt with the t- uh, black t-shirt with the sleeves cut off. And I'm just like, I started a band with that guy. Oh my God, I hate that guy. <laughs> Who is that guy? He's a horrible person. He's a horrible, horrible Yeah, dude. no doubt. And that's would, you. <laughs> yeah, it's me. I, know. I mean, and that's the only time in my life I've ever tried to look good. <laughs> You've never seen me try to look good at any other point in my history. Yeah, but, we're total morons, man. We, yeah. We've always been total morons. It did. Just playing guitar didn't change that. JT, did y'all have like a like that was the thing for us too? Is we we kind of were blindsided because in Greer there was no scene like that, at least what we were in. And then even when we went to met in college and Rock Hill, there really wasn't that scene. There were some bands that started doing stuff, but they you know like Hope's Fall or Beloved or whatever. But we didn't see them that much. Did y'all have a better scene in the West Virginia Ohio area like that? Y'all could see what bands were looking like and acting like. I mean, a little bit only because uh, you know when I grew up, I was in high school. Um, in a tiny town called St. Mary's, West Virginia, which was about 15 miles from where Zayo grew up in Parkersburg. Yeah. 
So we had a little bit of that, but that was really only, I don't know, 10% of what fashion looked like. You know right. what so I mean? So like, did you think of Zayo as a local band at that time? I mean, they were like local all stars, though. Yeah, you know what but I they mean. Were, like, did you realize how special that was to be around Zayo or see them locally, or what, like you know what they were doing in those years was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And wh- one of the coolest things was you got to hear, like, you know, from the from the first record to the second record, there was like a seismic shift in the band because the singer, you know, it was mm-hmm. like it's just a diff- it was basically a different band. Right. So you got to hear from like every, what everybody thought that band sounded like. No joke. The entire what little scene we had was like, oh, my God, Zayo sounds like Marilyn Manson. now. Right. After hearing Dan <laughs> sing, you know what I mean? Like having that like very pronounced carcass style. Yeah. Death metal style vocal when whatever Sean Jonas was just kind of yelling, just doing yeah. like the Christian yell thing. Christian um, yell, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So Christian Posse yell. The Posse yell. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's it, it was it was super cool. And that was kind of one of the reasons that like anybody even knew what was happening. Because back then, you know, think about what record stores were. We had a record a record town and an NRM in a mall, and that was the best you were gonna get. And the rest you relied on MTV. That was it. That's yeah. all you had. Hey, can yeah, I address yeah. a white elephant in my head? It's not in the room. It's in my head. How big was Hawthorne Heights? I have no idea. Are we talking Under Oath, Emory, Taking Back Sunday? I just have no idea. Okay, but, well, let, but before you answer that, JT, I do apologize for his question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he said how big was Hawthorne Heights? Yeah, or, that's just ha- As if they don't even stomach. exist anymore, which I think is quite rude. Like, how big <laughs> is Hawthorne Heights going to be in the future is also a good question. Yeah. yeah. Like, had I they was, hit their peak yet, we don't know, you know? And I would the- say... <laughs> I would say somewhere between Emory and the Steve Miller band. <laughs> <laughs> that's wh- that's where we rested. Hell yeah. Some- somewhere in there. Um, let, I will speak to that a little bit. I mean, if you don't want, I don't know if you have a stat or anything that said that, that you're proud of or anything, but Hawthorne Heights, um, at their peak that so far peak so far, cause you never know. Uh, when we did the Nintendo fusion tour with y'all, y'all were selling, Gold, you were on your second gold record then, right? Yep, yeah. And we, that was the biggest tour we ever did. Yeah, um, we were the third band on the bill. It was the Sleeping Plain White Tees, then Emory, then Reliant K, then Hawthorne Heights. Yeah, and they were selling out thir- three thirty five hundred people in giant theaters in Dang. Detroit. Gotcha. And it, I mean, and and had gold. So had sold more than a million records at that point. I mean that context um, that, is is important to me just just in the conversation. It makes a lot of sense. I mean they're I probably one, yeah definitely maybe one of the biggest bands we ever toured with. What's funny about that too? I got a memory too. I can remember we were on that first tour with y'all, and y'all were the opener on that uh, Silverstein and oh, yeah. uh, Alexis on Fire and us and you guys. I mean, now correct me if I'm wrong. Was that not fifty dollars a night? Was your not your pay on that tour though? Oh yeah, fifty. Yeah. It was. It 50 wasn't a hundred. It was like whoa. That was not even a hundred. It's fifty for these yeah. guys. It was Hawthorne Heights. And I can me- I can remember meeting you guys. That's back when I would go out and meet the other bands. That you know, <laughs> back <laughs> in the day. Hadn't done that in a while. But <laughs> now it's that guy is so hard to do now. Back then I liked it. And I remember I was like, man, these Hawthorne Heights guys sure are cool, man. This is gonna be a fun tour. And we talked to y'all immediately. We just our bands connected immediately we just always have been friends 
But I can remember going, yeah, you know, because we at the time, Emery had come out and, you know, our our first album had, uh, you know, it was the biggest first week of any Tooth and Nail record ever. And it was like 2000, maybe like 2000, I forget, more than, you know, more than any other band at that time since been passed. But I can remember going, man, these guys, I hope they do good on their first week. Okay. And then it came out and I think y'all's first week was four or 5,000, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe it was more than that. But it uh, doubled. I, or, I, yeah, I think it was like four thousand. Yeah, like it doubled what we did, and I was like, "Oh, uh, okay." And, and then I started getting a little jealous. And then it like it, the next, I was like, "Well, we'll see what happens." And then like because each of that tour and each week of that tour, y'all get more numbers, and we'll it kept see what growing happens. and doing better and better. <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit!" This band, like by the end of the tour, you were already like really blowing up. I mean, you started as the opener and literally were blowing up by the end of that tour, the first tour we did with you. Yeah, it was weird, man. It was. uh one of those like i don't know lightning in a bottle something caught fire and like we you couldn't even get a handle on it you know like i don't even remember probably three years of my life back then and i don't even do drugs or drink right (laughs) that's just how fast it was you know what i mean like yeah you just you just are accepting all these tour offers all right tour 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 and like you know, they keep growing and they keep growing and they keep growing. And then, you know, like the pinnacle would be um, doing that arena tour with Fallout Boy. It was us, Fallout Boy from first to last and uh, All American Rejects. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was what 40, was the order of that bill? Night. Uh, It was that was a Joey question, Matt. Go ahead, JT. Sorry. Uh, that was from first to last, then us, then All American Rejects then Fallout Boy. Wow. Wow. So that was that big. was like the pinnacle of the scene. You know, like all of our bands were popping at the at the same time, you know, and for to get like twenty five to thirty thousand people in a basketball arena singing songs that were written in basements. All right. Was pretty awesome. You know, I, I, I don't think that'll happen again. But you that, never know. You do. You never know. <laughs> but it's Matt's, so insane Matt's taking on don't. encouragement as a big thing in his life these days. So, saying. JT, you're going to hear a lot of it, a lot of encouragement. <laughs> that, that, that's what I'm saying, though. It's so hard to, to understand it because you want you, you do think, like, uh, I can, even with the, the limited success that Emory's had, uh, you do think, well, I'm, our band is good, and we can, we're going to do stuff, and it's going to work out. And then as things start coming and getting better and better, because, I mean, I've told the story a million times. I can remember looking Matt in the eye and saying, Matt, if this band, if we could ever just make like a thousand dollars, you know, just a a, a, a week or a, or a show maybe or something like that, I just I'll do this for the rest of my life. It'll be unbelievable, you know, you know, even with with merch and everything. And then you start surpassing those things, and you start going, wait a minute, oh, this is way bigger than I thought. And then it then it becomes so quickly not only about the music. That's the thing that blindsided yeah. me. Like, like you think sure. you think about your band as our music is everything, and then there's a billion things that hit you, and you just don't even, like. I mean, just the uh, it, it, all the the things that go in with being on a label now, getting management, the your crew. What does your show need to look like? What are you, what are you doing for the next record? All the or even you know, what does your hair look like is not exactly non-trivial. what closure, like, yeah. it, it causes a person like me to start caring about my 
hair and wear makeup and shit. I mean, <laughs> right. Somehow bleaching it out because <laughs> everything's important at that point. And you didn't even know. You just like, well, man, I just want to rock out on stage, and, and the people seem to like that. And then all of a sudden, that's not enough anymore. Definitely, uh, and you start you start analyzing every aspect of your band. Yeah, it's superstitious almost at the point. You know, yeah, like, you know, like once we did this, this happened. So do more of that. You know. Exactly. We always joke about all this stuff because, you know, we're all we when all this stuff were happening, all of us, the entire scene, were just a bunch of kids and it was exploding for everybody, yeah. nearly everybody. You know what I mean? Like the, just yeah. in general, we were we were in the grunge phase of 2000, you know, the 2000s. We yeah. were something caught fire and we were a part of that. Um, but like we've been watching uh, old videos of uh, the last Woodstock. You know, it was 1994, yeah, yeah. so Woodstock yeah. 94. And, uh, no, 99? No, it would have been 94 as the 25th anniversary. Yeah, we were watching videos for that one. Um, and we're watching, like, The Counting Crows. And, like, this is when this band is huge, you know, and there's just a sea of people. There's probably 150,000 people or something. And they sound so terrible. And they look like, I'm not joking, four retired accountants on stage. <laughs> That's what they're dressed like. And I'm not, they're playing in front of 150,000 people extremely poorly and everybody's loving it. And I just looked at that and I went, you know what, whatever, it doesn't matter. Were they drug induced when you say poorly or they just were bad musicians? Cause I know. No, I just, you know, shit's out of tune. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like the, the guitar player gave the sound guy another 150 bucks to crank him up in the mix. You know, right. <laughs> it's at Woodstock. I want to sound my best. Um, but, you know, stuff like that, you know, you, you go down that rabbit hole. And then I was watching a Weezer video uh, for their first time on late night TV. And Rivers literally had the lyrics taped to the microphone stand. <laughs> so I watched these two things and I'm like, why did we care ever? You know what I mean? Like, when you got something happening, it's just right. wildfire, and you probably could have done anything, and it probably would have worked. And How we're, like, you... scrutinizing over every tiny detail. And, like, Rivers is literally reading lyrics from a piece of notebook paper. Right. It's funny, though, because it just it felt, for me, I can remember, because I just thought, okay, wait a minute. Now, we did this band, all of a sudden we're on a label, and holy crap, the first record's selling good, and now we're this real thing, and it's going really awesome. Oh, we have a business now, and I got to take care of it. I can't lose it, and I'm like, I, you know, I got to prove everybody wrong and all that stuff. But one of the one of the things that ended up happening to us is because of the weeks in success. Man, you're right. We just got tour after tour after tour, and we were touring so much, and we didn't want to turn those down because that was the real money there. You know, going on tour, yeah. selling T-shirts. That's what that's what we were. We we you know we traveled around the world with T-shirt salesmen, but we we had to fit in the question. Like our second record, we were like, oh wait, we literally recorded it one month. I mean, wrote it one month. The very next month, recorded it all. How did y'all get from that first record to the second one? What was y'all's recording like? How did you fit it in between tours? It was very very similar. A very similar situation. So. Um, we went from like, you know, we started off on the tour with you guys and then went all the way through about middle of 2005 and we toured with some 41. So that was our first like big MTV style tour. Right. Yeah. And then we went from that directly into warp tour. Um, right on. and then we, I got married like a week after warp tour. 
and then we had two weeks and then made the record. So, wow. like, I don't even remember writing this record. I'm not sure we did. <laughs> you know, because I, I can tell you every single tour that we did, and, like, it was just crazy. Yeah. You're just, we were, we were riding in, like, you know, the back lounge of the bus and dumb stuff like that. And, like, think about how unconducive that is Ugh. to, All like, right. making an incredible record. Like, right. you, you read about how, like, I don't know, bands from the 70s took four years in between records and the label paid for everything. Like, hey, guys, take four years off. Here's $2 million. Let's make a record. And meanwhile, you're trying to play as many shows as you possibly can, you know, and, and hopefully you can write a song every once in a while. So, like, so this, it's become entirely inverted to, like, what you should actually be doing. Right. Yeah. Well, it's all who knows now, but the, what's it, the thing, the concept that now is on my mind, I've started seeing other people say it a little bit online. I think you'll see more of this, but we've entered a somewhat of a new phase in the life cycle because we've seen these bands. All right, see if this point makes sense. I'm, I'm interested in the concept of longevity here and, and what, what that means or if it's important or what makes up longevity and how it works. But there's never been this pop music before that was accessible to people like us. It was like you said, the big major labels through the seventies and eighties. And even in the nineties, it was just these big labels and these big artists. And then there was nothing. So you're either one of them or you're, there wasn't anything. But then when you could be starting around, I don't know, probably I would say when the get up kids started making it and doing well, you're like, okay, so you can hustle your way into touring and making money and distribution. All these things can happen at the indie level. And from then till, for the next 10 years, there's like a real touring scene where bands would, could get in there and really do it and make money and everything worked. And, of course, in that life cycle, bands, most of them broke up and a few yeah. didn't. And everyone that broke up is in, has gotten back together now, too, which is an interesting phenomenon. You'd, never, you'd see Motley Crue or the Eagles get back together. But now it's this really bizarre thing where once – there's there's hundreds and thousands of bands in the scene we're talking about instead of a hundred rock acts in the country. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of bands that were probably our size, and so we've never we've never seen them where they break up and get back together and make their seventh record and eighth record. And what happens in the future with this scene? Does it end up in casinos? I mean, what it, what we don't, don't know. know, man. I mean, we don't know. We talk about it all the time. We we're like, when when are we going to get like the casinos and and state fairs <laughs> yeah, and stuff right. like that because we're close that's, that's where you get the great backstage that's oh, where you yeah. get like you know really taken care of um and it's but i mean isn't it it's kind of uncharted now though like nobody nobody saw nobody thought some band's gonna make their eighth record that never nobody thought yeah, that for sure and now now we're doing stuff like that and then bands are coming back and ha putting out four more records you know they, and i guess they shouldn't have ever broken up but it seems weird there's only a few bands that have really stuck through without a hiatus but hawthorne heights is one of those what do you think about that concept of longevity what do you think how are you able to do it i think that's one of the 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 biggest thing that kind of keeps us here keeps us relevant allows us to tour is that we have pretty much not stopped we didn't have a lull we've had some like trials and tribulations and ups and downs in our career but we never had that man, we haven't been doing anything for three years. You know what I mean? 
right. we've never we we've we've done a decent job pivoting to where like you know you go to the right places you tour the right amount um when you burn out the usa you head over to japan australia uk stuff like that so um and they, but why Hawthorne Heights? Why are we still around? Why are you around still? And why, what about the other bands? Why aren't they around? Well, you can look at it two ways. Survival of the fittest. Hell yeah. Or you can look at it like we have, we've, we are guilty by omission. Everybody else has left. Right. So we are like king of the mountain because everybody else took their ball and went home. It's a much smaller mountain yeah. now to be king of, of course. It is. <laughs> the Screamo Mountain is much smaller, but there's only a few of us. Yeah. But but you said you said something there too that is really true. You guys, and this is why I think we've been friends for a long time. You guys don't take yourself too seriously and you're willing to pivot or be malleable and change and go, wait a minute, this is where we're at right now. That isn't where we were back then. It might not be where we're at in the future, but this is where we're at right now. So what do we want to do? Like that's been like one one of the key components for our band too is we want to change, like, I want to be able to do music on my terms and how we want to do it. And I think that's how y'all kind of do it too, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think that people, they have extremely uncompromising goals, but I would say that my goals, whether it be in my career or my family life, I consider them to be flexible and fluid. Hundred percent. Yeah. I go as far as to say I have no goals. Exactly. You, I just have interests. You have yeah. things that you want to accomplish, but that might that might lead you to other things that you want to accomplish, and the previous goal is not even in right. the picture the anymore. Just so, like, constantly, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I I just think that some bands take themselves too seriously. They get another thing, you know, like we don't drink or do drugs. You know, like we've never had that like outside influence that kind of tears you apart a little bit. You know what I mean? Like people can definitely do it and and not have a problem with it or anything. I, I don't mean that everybody has to not do anything. I just mean we've never had an issue with it or anything like that. So like that's kind of kept us on the straight and narrow a little bit. I'd probably go opposite on that. If I couldn't have a little bit of drugs and alcohol, I don't think it'd be worth doing at all. <laughs> I mean, being able to just chill yeah. out on the bus and I've drink. Kept, and, I've kept going in the band because of the drugs yeah, and alcohol. Yeah. That, like, I know, oh, that's when I'm going to get my drugs and alcohol. Right. <laughs> hey, we all have a different process. We all, we, we all do, but... Well, what about the other point of view that would say legitimately, which you have to wrestle with as a person? I think what we're talking about is rigid expectations, which I always think are bad, bad yeah, for people. For people. I've always, always I agree. different than that. But rigid expectations, I'm going to be a rock star, and I'm this, and I have this. And then when you don't have that, or it looks different, or the climate has changed, then you're you're done. You have to quit. You have to run away. You have to say I failed. You have to say that chapter ended or whatever. And I don't never had that, but I imagine that those people may look at people like us and say, Seriously though, guys, give it up. Has been washed up. Get over it. This is what are you doing? You hang on to this forever, kind of a thing. For sure, that, maybe they're right about that. You have to get over that. You have to address that head on. How do you deal with that insecurity? Well, you got to look at it a couple different ways. Are are we? Is it special that we've both been able to last for fifteen years? That's the way that I look at it. I look yeah. at it. I try to look at it in a light that is like, you know, they say that like less than 1% of the 
of all musical artists will sell 1,000 records. Less wow. than 1%. That doesn't right. surprise so, me, but that's shocking. Statistic. Think about how special you are in the food chain of how how many people have released records. I just look at stuff like that, and I consider those stats to be to be eye-opening because you you have no pressure other than the pressure that you put on yourself. You know, as long as you're writing great music, I don't think any of us are ever going to be as big as Drake. But when you started writing songs together, you weren't trying to be a pop superstar. You just, happened, you just happened to catch fire for a minute. And you know what? We probably all got bigger than we should have, which is great and brilliant. That's incredible. Yeah, no complaint. You know what I mean? So oh, more like, than we deserve, that for yeah, sure. So yeah, so I, I, I look at it that way. I don't, I don't look at it like, man, why aren't we on top anymore? It's like... I look at it like, why the hell were we ever on top? Right. You know, we because we weren't on the radio. We weren't, you know, like we, we had a tiny bit of radio play. But when you think about everything else that is super successful and what that takes, we don't belong there. We never have. So like when you you will hear like super negative people be like, man, I can't believe you're still a band. And then you'll be like, well, what do you listen to now? Honestly, what do you listen to? Drake? Oh, so you listen to shit that's popular on the radio. So right. you let somebody else dictate what you're hearing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just weird. You know, like I, I'm totally fine uh, kind of being in the shadows for the people who, you know, it really, it takes one person to come up to you after your set and say, literally six years ago, I was going to kill myself and I listened to your album and I'm here because of you. And if you can't feel a special moment there, you're a callous idiot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like it's stuff like that that kind of like our our fans have have given us that like extra push to like be more like community based and less like, hey man, we didn't get it what we wanted on our rider today, so let's break up. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting in that regard. And I think something else that's crazy about it is I've been noticing it um, too. Like my viewpoint has always been, it's this crazy bad idea to pursue music and art. Like that's the classic thing, especially coming from the types of families and places we come from. It's just, well, that's a goofy idea that my son's going to go try when he's twenty. Okay, and a lot of people wouldn't even. A lot of parents try to get you to not even do that when you're twenty. And my parents are cool enough to go, yeah. I mean, but it's obviously just a goofy thing you go try, and then you can do something else. But you'll move on. You'll see. This will just be a phase, of course. Yeah. And so now, if I've been make, I haven't had another job in fifteen years. You know, I mean, I've done other things, but it's been primary. Yeah. Um, it you know, there's ways different ways to make money, podcasts and other stuff, but. Being and it, that's very much the same. It's still independent creator, punk rock, do it yourself, make it happen. I'm doing the same thing, and when I'm looking around at the, my other people in my sphere of life, they're getting laid off from this job or their company went under that they've been working at for five years with their technical skill. Yeah, and it's like definitely. Well, I mean, I've been doing something cool, and seems like I have more job security than they do than the people that did the thing right. It's the, because you, yeah, it's just, because you control your own destiny. 
But the other careers aren't what they used to be as far as, oh, you start here and you get a gold watch because you did it right and you were diligent and you didn't screw up, screw off in your 20s. No, you just, I work for a software company and it changed. Oh, that that's code language is gone now. Anyway, I'll find something else to do. Maybe I'll go work at Amazon. I don't know. They don't have job security, you know? Definitely. And coming in the future is going to be even more disruptive. So it's starting to seem like a safer and smarter bet to be in the creative arts and know how to make a living doing it. Yeah, we always joke that like, all these, like, what fans don't realize is that bands that you've absolutely heard of, maybe some of your favorite bands, like, their pay is probably between $100 and $250 a night. And I don't mean mega bands. I mean actual bands that you know. You know, I mean, take, for example, yeah. the tour that we did with you guys, that very first tour. We were getting 50 bucks, which leads me to think you were probably getting 150 bucks. That's right, 150 yeah. So think about that. And your band was was well known at the time, mm-hmm. you know, like in the scene. People yeah. knew who you were. They were coming to watch your band play. You mm-hmm. were getting one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Silverstein got all the rest of it, though, and they probably it. <laughs> but they probably still at that point probably only got a grand. You know, yeah. Billy told yeah. me on that tour that they had a bank account. It was probably our third tour. You know, and they had already done maybe a headlining tour or something. They were six months ahead of us, probably. And he told me that they had $50,000 in the bank. And I shit myself. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't. I thought he was, I was like, okay, I don't know this guy Billy that well. I don't yeah. guess he's a liar, but he's probably a liar. I guess that, there's no way that's true. <laughs> I just never, that there's no, there's just no way. Like, that means they'd have to make, you know, I mean, they're from Canada. play 50 dates and make $1,500, and it's not that hard to, to do that. But, you know, they just, but I couldn't believe it at the time, you know. <laughs> I couldn't. I, yeah, said, like, I, I said, said how yeah, that's only, that's only 20,000 20, Americans, though, right, Billy? Like, yeah, you're, you're talking <laughs> loonies yeah, and yeah, toonies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it's uh, it's crazy when you look at it like that, like you, you know, like it's absolutely insane that, like, we're all supposed to be superstars and, like, you're getting 200 bucks a night. And you're, spo- and you're supposed to compete with pop stars. Yeah. People don't People don't view music in, like, a class system. You know what I mean? Like they think, Oh, well they're just musicians just like that. I don't know why you're not as big as Katy Perry. I guess you're shittier. Yeah. <laughs> you should write, be- you should write better songs. Yeah. Write better songs. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think, that, it, I think y'all are right though. Y'all are tapping into something here too. I, I always, I always wonder when people say that, if it's not a hint of jealousy, because y'all, y'all nailed it. We're, we're still crafting our own future and still have more of a say in our own future. Like You're in I the mean, driver's seat. Yeah, and, and meaning too, I would and, argue. And just because we don't take ourselves part. seriously or are malleable doesn't mean we don't uh, act seriously and take this uh, a, a high amount of care and hard work into what we do. Like right now, we just launched the, we just launched our our latest Emory campaign, and I mean, and it, it it's unbelievable how much work has gone on. I can't. But now I, I didn't. I didn't actually do it, and it was more Reva and Matt. But the work that they are doing is unbelievable. <laughs> and I mean, we we are taking it more seriously, uh, maybe than we ever have, because we're like, well, this is our career, and we know we've we've had so many road lessons and life lessons uh, because of this band. We know we were way ahead of the game. Then uh, I, I feel super unfortunate now for bands just starting. Like I don't even like like, like when you say we got the benefit of the doubt and got bigger than we should. I totally believe it because I don't understand. Hardly how any band now with every possible thing uh, buying for your attention. You know yeah, what I don't mean? Try. And, yeah, do I mean, try. it's just so hard to be creative and, and do all the other things that you have to do now. I don't even know how you do it, but yeah, I, I feel really comfortable. Like, why would I quit something I love? That, that doesn't even make sense. Like, what? Oh, you know what? Yeah, I guess now is the time I need to go sit in the office. 
That's not that's not that's not really no. true. As long as I can do this, I'll try. Yeah, it's real. It's really validating to go. Wait a minute. It's validated because there is income. I mean, it's not enough. I mean, think about the amount of income it would really have to be to just. I mean, Emory has fourteen children, which is a difference than Hawthorne Heights. What do y'all got? One. We have <laughs> you know, two. Two. Yeah. <laughs> we got literally 14. two. <laughs> We're averaging about one point four a year in, for the last ten years. You know, Emory takes Genesis a little more serious. Of yeah, go multiply. Yeah. Good job, guys. One hundred percent. But think about the amount of money that would need. Like, okay, there's this group of guys and their families. So fourteen children, five men, and four wives. I mean, what? What? Do you, how many? What do you need there? Like one point six million in yeah. profit a year to float that <laughs> ship. I mean, like you know, think about it. it just it, that's an insane thing, and somehow we do it with just a few little aggregate incomes. But it's it's bizarre. I mean, it's validating that it can be done. That means that it wasn't a stupid idea. I'm just now being an old person, thinking about the young person that was making those quote stupid decisions. And I didn't think they were stupid at the time, but I did believe that it was pretty reckless. I did believe that. And now when I look back on it, I don't even know if it was. It just might have just been a good idea to follow your interests and do what you care about. It might have been that simple. It's kind of like, is that some validation for that concept? Like, do what you really care about? I think it it also has a lot to do with the fact that our upbringing in, like, smaller areas – you know, like nobody did anything for, for you in your mm-hmm. hometown. That mm-hmm. had nothing to do with you being a musician. Right. So you've had to like grind the entire time, right? Mm-hmm. So when you decided that your pivot was going to be getting into other things other than just being a touring musician, yep. you know, whether it be the podcast or whether it be uh, like whatever it is you guys do other than have kids, um, <laughs> you know, you were willing to like spin it and spin it to your needs and to fit your financial needs. Yeah. You know what I mean? The same thing with, with us. What we did is we continually trimmed away what we were paying other people to do for right. us. That's the main, yeah, that's the main thing. That's, that's right. Yes, I- exactly. So, you know, like we started screen printing our shirts. I literally figured out how to do it so I wouldn't have to give anybody any money. I don't want to I don't want to give anybody money. I want to keep it in my band, because if you think about it, remember that all those merch bills back in the day when you were touring nonstop, that was your biggest thing. Now, that was also the the way that you made money the most. But think about if you could have trimmed that into a tenth, how much you would have kept. No doubt about that sort of thing. So like uh, we've always just tried to like eliminate things no different than like a household would you know let's say that somebody in your family has to take a pay cut or you know somebody loses their job you got to eliminate things until your income stabilizes we just look at it that way all right well we're not going to travel this way or we're not going to take this additional crew person stuff like that you know and just we've been doing that for probably about the last decade and you know like we see like, you know, like when we'll we'll do a headlining tour and we'll take three other bands out with us and they'll all have like two crew each and we won't bring anybody. You know what I mean? And it's right. like, we'll just do it ourselves so we can keep the money and like pay for our, you know, stuff at home and everything. I'd rather live like shit on the road and like grind and hustle and then live comfortably with my family at home. 
that's just the way that we look at it, which kind of keeps you around a little bit longer when you're, when you have so many vested interests that you guys are doing. Yeah. That's a part of it is just shared responsibility and, and, and that kind of thing. JT, do you mind if we talk about Casey for a little bit? Let's do it, man. That's a big shift. I know, but I was thinking about Casey somewhat recently in, and it's kind of a sad thought. And I was just curious what, how do you think about this with us being old as we are now, I'll be 40 this year. I'm sure you're in that neighborhood getting close. When you think back about how old Casey was when he passed, how old was he? He probably, let's see, he would have been probably maybe 27. Yeah. I think it would have been right around 27, 28. Yeah. yeah. So so in my mind, I'm thinking it's it used to be that Casey's gone. He's like me. But now when I think about Casey, he's more like a kid. Yeah. Gone. And then I can also think what would Casey be like if he was here today and i haven't spent a lot of time thinking about either of those but it occurred to me maybe you had like you know how did is that something that you think about or try to you know how does that feel with as much distance as it has been um and if you want to tell people what happened i'm sure some people don't know but you lost a band member casey he was a screaming guy he was just a tremendous guy i mean it's so weird to think back about how the this the change that i've undergone since he's gone that he did i mean that's a hard thought for sure. Um, yeah, like anytime we bring up like an old memory, you know, like anything within the heyday, it's like that's one of the first things that you immediately gravitate towards, you know, like and it just shows you that we were just a bunch of kids uh, just having fun, just trying to be in a band. And he would have been the first person to always get us to stop thinking about stupid things. You know what I mean? Like he'd be like, why are we talking about this? Let's just play this show. You know, mm-hmm. stop, you know, he'd be like, Aaron, I don't care what kind of shoes I'm wearing. We're just going to play this show, you know, because Aaron, Aaron would just like for almost every band in the scene. When my chems, the black parade came out, there was one band member who just wanted to do that. We got to do that. Look at mm-hmm. how big that is. Right. Uh, so Aaron was our was that member. We got to think bigger. We got to do this, that, that. And Casey would be the one that would be like, nah, I'm not doing any of that, man. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to strum these octaves on this guitar. And that's about uh, how much fun I'm going to have. Uh, <laughs> so he was, he, you know, he was always the like the, the light and the carefree one. And he didn't want to take that aspect too seriously. You know, like j- just stuff like wearing outfits on stage and like yeah. backdrops and stuff like that. He just always thought that it was just a little bit silly that we would be arguing about stuff like that. He was fine doing stuff like that, but he didn't want to argue about it. Um, and so I will always remember him being like, he never really had to like deal with the downturn of the business and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So everything yeah. was all like up until that point, everything was all pretty, pretty rosy other than, you know, like going through a, a lawsuit, um, with your record label, which you should never do. But, uh, yeah, you just think, you know, it's like it's one of those things, man. You lost somebody way too young and like you think about where you are in your life now and it just seems like it seems like we were in second grade when that happened. Right. You know what I mean? It just seems like so long ago and yeah, you have like kids now and like you're actually raising other human beings and stuff like that and it's like 
it's crazy. It's just yeah, so, it's so wild. Yeah, I mean that was a long. It was a long time ago, and it, and it's um. You know, I was just curious with from your point of view now, reflecting on it. How do you think you handled it? The like um. Did you guys handle it well? I mean, I want to say you did or something. I, don't, I mean, you made it like all the, speaking of longevity, that's something you survived. You know, you, you guys made yeah. it through what would have been the hardest possible time. And I can't imagine. For sure. I think that um, I think we took it a little too fast, if I had to be honest, because you were afraid that the that the ride was going to end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so like we probably made our third record too quickly because we we needed to figure out the the new identity of our band. That, did you discuss hanging it up? Yeah, we definitely did. We definitely did. We were like I don't you know what do we want to do? What are options that we could do? How could we still be this band without somebody that was a integral part of not only the songwriting but also just uh the screaming and the momentum of that moment we were all part of yeah you know what i mean um but also like the friendship factor he was one of the more like uh easygoing level hand level-headed members of the band so like you know he was just a a, a good guy to have in the room you know how they always yeah they always uh say that stupid term uh, for sports, like he's a good locker room presence. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll sign the veteran who's a good locker room presence. Yeah, he was a very good locker room presence. You know, he was always having fun and everything like that. Where when things got too stiff and like you were so worried about everything, and uh, he was always way more carefree than that. Yeah. And so when you say you moved through third record too fast, what? What do you mean by that? You should have done what instead? I think we should have we should have figured out our identity a little bit more because we what we pretty much did was wrote a Hawthorne Heights record and just didn't have the screaming in it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like we should have uh I think we should have figured out how to do things that sounded heavier without the screaming instead of uh, you know, because some of our songs, Casey is the only heavy moment in that song. Uh-huh. So it makes the song sound heavier than it is, really. We always joke with our fans. They're like, man, how come you don't scream as much anymore? Like, we literally do. You just think we're under oath. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? They think that we're heavier than we ever were, but we're just not that. We're, we scream 10% of the time. Whereas the heavy bands sing 10% of the time. Mm-hmm. I think they just f- kind of forget who we are. Um, right. But yeah, so like <laughs> you just, we kind of put the pedal to the metal and we're just mm-hmm. like, let's write this album and let's get this album out. And, you know, maybe everything will be better again. And uh, that's just not a solution for like, you, you got to like, really, you got to sit and you got to deal with, grieving and figure out uh how your world has changed and we never really did that like i said before all of us put the pedal to the metal put your head down and played as many shows as you could and you were afraid that you weren't going to be be able to play any more shows uh so 
when something like that happens, it's like, I, I think that that's one of the hardest things about being in a band. And one of the things that you're, you're ill-equipped is to be able to like, to just take a step back and stop and relax. Totally. Um, Cause you know, you know how that time period was. Now you guys play like six shows every decade. So like, <laughs> but, but back then you were playing 300 shows a year. Yeah. And you needed those 300 shows a year. You right. know what I mean? So like that's why you brought up a good point like you know, you made a record and you should have had longer to make the record, but you didn't have time to do anything other than play shows. Right. right. So like I think to be honest with you, a lot of it like up until a couple of years ago was probably car compartmentalized. You know, like you just forget about it because you have to do so many other things and then it becomes a distant memory until you start talking about it again. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for talking about it with us a little bit. Yeah. yeah, of course. You know, like it's definitely nothing that we run from. We definitely are super proud of everything we accomplished with Casey. Uh, and it's, there's not a bad memory in the bunch and it's, it's so great. And every time we, we have these conversations, it's always super helpful and it's always super fun. Um, but you know, it's like you said, it's like, you know, we're approaching forties or in forties and it's like back then that was the, our twenties, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it just seems so, so far away. No, no. Well, speaking of touring, we're getting to go on tour with you again. It's been too long. I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're doing this leg coming up and then another leg was just announced for the West coast and all the way down through the Southwest and Texas and everything. And so, uh, I, it's going to be very fun. And the most fun parts we're working on it now is, uh, even our VIP we're doing together, which is going to be, uh, I think it's gonna be hilarious. I think we're going to cut up a lot, but also we might even, uh, play a song of each other's. Right. <laughs> it, I, I will tell you this. You, you caught me at the worst possible time because <laughs> I just literally Yesterday, I sang Walls for six hours. And we, <laughs> oh have, my gosh. we have to talk about your fucking songwriting. <laughs> that is the most weirdest constructed song that I've ever been a part of. You never repeat anything. There are nine different vocals going on at all points. I think there, there's a point where every single person in South Carolina is trading off. <laughs> on these vocals and we did a state gang vocal <laughs> <laughs> and we're listening to it and i'm like specifically uh the the middle part where you and Devin are trading off you're trading off in the weirdest spots like one of you will say two words and then the other one will say eight words <laughs> and i'm like i don't even know what the hell i'm supposed to do here so i'm just gonna do this but yeah it was, it was a blast to like to dissect your song and figure out how to do it, but also figure out how to do a damn screaming song acoustic. I don't know why anybody thought we should do this, but we did it. Um, yeah, it was, it was a blast. It was like, you know, you guys, it's like you wrote this song so long ago before there were any rules in your head whatsoever. You know what I mean? Now All you're right. thinking, well, we should probably do this and this and this. Then you were just like, this sounds cool, right? Oh, then then this sounds cool. No, we're still pretty much there. <laughs> well, cut it out because <laughs> for goodness sakes, I, I should have 
one time I had to text Devin and ask him some lyrics. And I'm like, you didn't say this, did you? And he's like, yeah, that's what it is. I was like, what's that even mean? <laughs> I get real insecure. I mean, if anything repeats for a third time, I mean, I'm I'm di- dying, 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 dying. I feel like, oh, no, how could we be so stupid to tr- do this? And a lot of times uh, we just cut out a part of the in a song, two sections of a song that repeated, period. And just said, just no, that's not right. And the song's way better when it didn't repeat. I don't know why that is. It may be insecurity, but I just, for the idea that you would do something twice, or especially when you fly the one chorus to the other, it's the identical chorus. It just happens again. It seems so wrong. It just doesn't seem right. (laughs) I I was telling those guys when I was doing it, I was like, I don't... I have not talked to Emery about what songs they're doing of ours, but I'm going to go write a complicated song right now because we're giving them all four chord patterns <laughs> and, you know, three choruses and two verses and that's it. No, but see, that's what's great about it is that's harder. That's harder to make good. Like if you said, here's only four chords and you got to sing the same melody a bunch of times. Like, you better be fucking good then because that's going to be real embarrassing if it's not. If you don't nail it, I mean, good gosh, at least we would do something weird and change the time signature for a second so you at least think we're smart. You know, that is exactly. That is exactly what you guys were thinking during. <laughs> still, it's still what I think. I'm being tr- very transparent. I mean, it's but that to so to go do your song with four chords, I find to be a challenge because it's got to be. How are we gonna make that good? We're sitting there the whole time, and we're we're wondering. And now I got the answer, and I'll call these guys once we're once we're done here. I'm like, there is some asshole in this band who who just cannot be ordinary. There's some <laughs> guy in this damn I'm just band. Just one of us, but I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm but yeah, it was man. It was it, it was a lot of fun. It really was. It was it was hilarious at times to try to try and do it and to try to do like, you know, that's a very specific intro to a song and a very specific yeah. outro to a song. And we're trying to not do it like you would do it because you know, I'm not going to scream acoustic right. uh, nonsense. But like, and then it, you know, we're putting drum beats on, and I'm like, damn, this song sounds Latin. <laughs> i'm like i'm i'm not giving, i can't wait to I'm, hear it oh, i'm not turning it in a latin version of wall <laughs> i'm not gonna sound like el mariachi or something i've got it scheduled well, to sit down at the piano tonight and start dinking around with ohio's for lovers is what i'm yeah. looking at that's that's well, what I, that's though how i'm gonna approach it i'm gonna go a little slower i talked to toby and devin about it i'm gonna try a little slower a little moodier maybe use a little bit of piano and see if we can capture something with your song that's the intent at this point it's gonna be good and if If people don't know uh, if you're struggling with the chords you know (laughs) just give me a call man (laughs) yeah i will get figured out and if people don't know what we're talking about we're going on tour from june 6th to june 15th starts in cincinnati ohio ends in lincoln nebraska it's all over go check it out on either of our websites and like they said you're going to get a a version of each other we're playing each other's songs you're going to get that version and uh, we're going to be doing the vips together it's going to be a lot of fun so don't miss this tour. JT, we're and really glad Coast you too. came on. Yep, yep, we'll be headed to the West Coast, too, so check it out. You can go That's to or Where can they find you guys at, uh, JT? Yeah, just HawthorneHeights.com, and I cool. think all of our socials are just Hawthorne Heights. But, yeah, man, I, I'll tell you, it, it's going to be an absolute blast. Just, first of all, hanging out again. Yeah. And uh, the, I think the fans are really going to be into to just watching us be absolutely idiotic. Yeah, every show before the show, like the VI, the VIP is going to be the show. I know that we're going to just be 
drilling each other the entire time. Oh, it's um, so much fun. I'm bringing a basketball hoop and Steven Christian's <laughs> shoes. I found those shoes. I'm bringing them. <laughs> we'll have to tell that story another time, but it is yeah. one of my favorites. It's yeah, it is one of my favorites. Basketball. Yeah. Here's the ingredients are Stephen Christian. You'll hear about it. Come to the VIP. Hoop. I'm sure you'll we'll talk about it a lot. <laughs> and anger. <laughs> it's gonna be a blast, man. We can't wait. We're stoked. All right. Thanks, JT. Thanks for coming on, dude. Heck yeah. Thanks for always doing a good job, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, all right. See, see you, man. All right, see ya. Bye. Hey, you know, I I actually remember a stage y'all went through when y'all used to do this pointing thing. I don't know if it was uh, six months. I only caught one show. And even when I saw y'all at the airport, when y'all when y'all connected with me and my friends, eyes connected, and Matt, Matt immediately extends his arm straight points, and everybody's pointing. I'm like, what's all this pointing stuff? And then come to find out when I go to y'all's show between Guitar Licks and Seth and everybody, y'all just went through a pointing stage. Y'all remember that? Yeah, I think there's some kicking <laughs> air kicks involved at the same time. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it was about 2003. Um, yeah, like pointing at something abstract and bobbing your head. Like, yeah, there was some it was I mean, cool. It felt like it was a, cool a move, back yeah. then. <laughs> and then sometimes you'd kick your foot just up into the air. Yeah, you know that. Also, I don't do it anymore. But hey, well, we want to thank guilty. the following the thank the following people for making these podcasts happen, and also for making a lot of stuff behind the scenes mm-hmm. that are only accessible for the BC Club to acquire, including Matt. Tell them about the Daily Dose real quick, and I'll wrap these names up, and we'll be out of here. Yeah, Joey's going to read a list of names of people that I'm, you know, just chatting with on Discord very presently. And, you know, so these people are be my friends and your friends, and we'll hang out on Facebook book, book group and Discord, and there's people we wind up meeting and seeing. And, uh, you know, it's the, it's the community that is Bad Christian, not just the podcast and not just the podcast that comes on Wednesday. We make an episode every weekday, if you include this one, and uh, we call that the Daily Dose. So if I say it this way, when I have a podcast that I wish would show up in my feed and it doesn't, or it doesn't for another week or whatever it is, it'd be nice if that, that icon would pop up with something extra, you know, um, or there was more episodes. So if you feel that, ever felt that way about Bad Christian, you can have some of it every day of the week. And now it doesn't mean you have to listen to it or keep up with it because there isn't much there other than us goofing off and doing our thing like normal. But if you could use, I don't know, two and a half episodes a week and they're shorter, 30 minutes usually, um, they're there and the community's there and they're people to communicate with and be present with and learn from. Um, but that's all possible. You have to do it on your terms and figure out your usage of those things. But we offer them and we enjoy them and we get a lot out of it. And so it's Daily Dose. It's the BC Club. So go to the bcclub.com um, like these people that Toby or Joey's about to read here and that's that's what that's where we'll be and that's what we'll be up to and it is funny with those episodes ironically we do feel a little more apt to share more private stuff even though it's still about 900 people have access to it we feel like they're buddies that we're talking to so thank you guys for joining Josh Owens Bob Newton Dave Basung uh, that's B-O-S-S-U-N-G Bryce Mintz Mentzner, M-E-N-T-Z-E-R, William Huckabee, Jess Becker, Michael Cole Reed, Brennan Haga, David Parker, and Joshua Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Go to thebcclub.com.